What up, Misfits? Welcome to the Misfit Heroes Podcast. My name is Chris, and together we are going on a journey. Misfits, one of the main focuses of this podcast is people serving others. Heck, one of the taglines is others over self. So imagine my surprise when I got an offer from someone to come onto the podcast and that that was the name of her organization. Well, obviously, I jumped on it pretty quick. Have you ever struggled maybe in the airport when you see a military veteran get an early access on your flight and you want to thank them for the service and the sacrifices that they've made to keep our country safe? Maybe you ran into an awkward conversation during Independence Day and you wondered how to speak to someone who's been in combat before. Well, you're not alone. It's a different life than being a civilian, and there are struggles that come along with being a veteran and the experiences that that lifestyle entails. Regardless of the fact that according to 2019 statistics, 40% of service members do not see combat, and of the remaining 60%, only 10 to 20% are deployed into the combat premise, the lifestyle is dramatically different than the average American workforce. And yet there's still that haunting number. Every day, an estimated 22 service members take their own life. Mental health buzzwords like PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and depression are thrown about like the pills that are often used to treat them. And yet until this conversation, even I didn't know of the term moral injury that regularly defines why these soldiers have the issues that they face in the first place. My guest tonight saw this both during her time as an intelligence officer and during her transition to civilian life, and she decided that she wanted to take some action and do her part to support these individuals personally. Shelly Rood is a mother, former and Army intelligence officer, and creator of Others Over Self, a nonprofit that's designed to support veterans with the belief that all people should be putting the needs of others over their own. We discuss her history in the armed forces, the best way to thank a veteran for their service from the eyes of a veteran, and the ideas behind the philosophy of Others Over Self that aims people to be a value add to everyone that they interact with. Misfits, please welcome Shelly Rood. Playing the Misfit Heroes podcast. Shelly, welcome to the Misfit Heroes podcast. I've been very excited to talk to you. I've been listening to a lot of the things that you've been doing online. I'm really impressed with what you do. It's kind of funny that your organization is called Others Over Self because that's essentially the focus of this podcast. (laughs) So God's plan, right? (laughs) It absolutely is, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm thrilled and honored to be able to address this audience of misfits because I truly feel like that is absolutely what I have been my entire life and will continue to be. So thank you for allowing me to be a misfit. Certainly, certainly. Well, welcome aboard. Let's introduce people to you a little bit. So your organization is called Others Over Self. Um, Can you explain what the purpose is and what exactly you all do? Absolutely. So uh, back in 2017, we started a business of educational consulting. You know, I have a long history. I love teaching. I love workshops, seminars, keynotes. I love a stage. I love the messages moving through me that really help lift up and encourage others. And so we started educational consulting and we didn't really know where the Lord would have us go with it. And we kind of just started like every small business doing what people pay us to do. <laughs> so it's it's looked different over the last five years, which is a really beautiful thing. And when we first started, um, we had these shirts made and they say others over self. Uh, and it's really this idea that the needs of others are always going to be more important than your own. And a lot of times when you're in that deep, dark space in your mind and it's all about you, which we've all been there at one point or another, sometimes the best way to get out of that is just go serve somebody else. It can be little, it can be big, it can be paying for somebody's Starbucks if you're in the line behind them. 
um, but really putting the needs of somebody else first. And so we may had these shirts made the first, it was like one of the first things we did as a business. And honestly, I only ordered like the minimum, which was I think 12. So I had like 12 shirts right? <laughs> and I never even really sold them. I mean, I think maybe five of them, right. Kind of sold. And then we just kind of got busy on educating and never looked back on it. I was eight months pregnant at the time. And then right when March happened, we had our second baby and he was special needs. And during that time, I was working with a business mentor, actually, Stephen Westner from Profitable Podcasting. Mm-hmm. And he said, Shelly, you know, you're, you have such potential, but it's not good enough. He said, you really, really, really need to dig into what is special, what is unique, what is your voice. And after probably a good two weeks of discovery, you know, oh, what? how have we served the world over the last few years as business? What do we teach? What do we dig into? We, we went back to that shirt from the very, very beginning. And we were like, what about this? You know, we got the thumbs up of like, that is an amazing vision, run with it. So we did, we went ahead and ordered, we hired the lawyers to get the trademark done. And so now we're an official registered trademark. Um, It's our intellectual property. And we've really just built the platform off of that. And things have just really been a lot of fun along the way. Before you started doing all this, you've got a long history of military and veterans work. And you were in the Army yourself as well, correct? I did, yeah. So over a 16-year time span, I had a career in the Army Reserves. Um, I did serve in the Intelligence Corps, and I was a distinguished military graduate from Western Michigan University, which means that I get to choose my branch. So I could choose, not only did I want to go Army, Marine, Navy, um, but I could choose the branch within the branch. So I could be MP, I could be uh, intelligence, I could be an engineer. And at the time, um, I really, really loved FBI agents, and I loved spies, and so I chose the world of intelligence. And so I had a 16-year uh, career in military intelligence. So for those that are listening, in layman's terms, you know, what exactly does an intelligence officer do? I'm sitting there thinking like uh, like Jack Bauer. Are you, are you Jack Bauer? Well, I can't tell you, can I? <laughs> <laughs> There's so much. I mean, there really is so much. So it, it depends on what level. It depends on who your boss is, what unit you're connected to. In my career, uh, I did serve as an officer. I got out as a captain. So that means that I was always in charge of other people. One of the, I think, easiest ways to think about it is that what we do is we help the commander make the decisions. So we put together briefings and recommended courses of actions. And we say, sir, ma'am, here's how we think you should make the decision. And then it's up to them to make the decision. But those are hard decisions. You know, sometimes it's about the timing of the patrols. And if you pick the wrong time, if you make the wrong recommendation, then people's lives are at stake. Um, So there's a lot that goes into intelligence work. I think not a lot of people understand how much work goes into that. People just think, oh, well, we just go in and we, you know, occupy or, or, or do whatever mission oriented tasks that we're doing, but the, the majority of the work happens way before you ever get on the battlefield. Is that right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, intelligence is how wars and battles are won and lost, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, the other thing that I'm really impressed with your organization, I've been listening to your appearances on a couple other podcasts and your faith has interacted with your military service dramatically. Dramatically. Yeah. Were you a believer in Jesus during your service or when did you know? What's your testimony about? A <laughs> Not little until bit? the very end, no. <clears throat> so how did that how did that sort of play into uh, to your military service? You know, I was raised Catholic, and we were in church every Sunday, and I always believed in God. You know, I just think what, even if you create, right? Oh, we create. We're scientists. We're artists. We create something. Well, what did you create it with? Yeah. 
So there's always, <laughs> there's this basic level that you're always already given something. You're given oxygen, you're given nature. You already have been given a gift at the very, very beginning. So to me, the existence of God was completely and absolutely undeniable. The Jesus piece, however, <laughs> was this huge, um, it was a joke for a while. It was a question mark for a while. And it was just something that, I'll be honest, I think that smart people maybe don't believe in Jesus. And now I know a heck of a lot better than that. Yeah. But it took me a lot of years to get there. You know, I would definitely say that in my 20s, I did not have the Jesus piece. And it wasn't after years of being in a very, very unhealthy and abusive relationship and trapped in a marriage. It wasn't until dealing with a lot of substance use, substance abuse issues, adultery, really the hard, hard, hard hardness of life and having a child myself um, and kind of witnessing what it means to set aside your life for other people. And I'm not talking about through the job or the vocation of being in the military. I'm talking about at its most very basic level of even just being a parent, what yeah. it means to not get to sleep in because you have to wake up because the baby is crying. You know, that day after day, hard, hard work of caring for another human being. And so how did I find Jesus? You know, for me, it was years and years and years of asking questions. I'm not somebody that had a light switch go, right? I'm smart. I, <laughs> I'm intelligence. I was a distinguished military graduate. I'm like Hermione Granger for those of our Harry Potter fans that are listening. <laughs> um, and, and I had to be won over the hard way. Yeah. And I was at a church. It was a Catholic church in Fort Huachuca, Arizona. And for the very first time, the way that the priest explained how Jesus came down from heaven to teach us humanity on a level that we could understand what the goodness of God was. I am telling you, if there ever was a light bulb moment, it was like, now I get it. That makes absolute and total sense, right? Because how can you explain to an ant what a human being is? Right. You can't. There's just a differentiation between the creatures. Yeah. So how in the world could God explain to us what a God is? He can't. And so there has to be something in the middle that eases that. And so there's you know a little piece of my... Jesus peace story and how I came to understand. Now, from what I understand, you also went on to become a chaplain in the military eventually, correct? Oh, yeah, let's talk about that. So that's my dream. <laughs> I mean, after yeah. 16 years of being in, in intelligence for the last four years, I really had found the Jesus peace. And once you find that Jesus peace, nothing else matters, right? I mean, it's like lightning bolts, the ground shakes, the way you look at life, the choices that you make on a daily basis, everything changes. Yeah. And so from that moment on, uh, I, I did genuinely discern a calling. And I was convinced that I knew too much <laughs> being in intelligence. I mean, I know so many super, super top secret, secret squirrel secrets of the way that the world works. Um, and it's awful. And it's dark and it's dirty. And what the military needs is not another intelligence person, truly. What the military needs is another chaplain. Yeah. What we have are a national shortage of chaplains in the United States military. We can't get enough chaplains. If you don't know, even when people are, let's say, deployed overseas, you might have an area that you're covering uh, as big as the entire northeastern portion of Africa with only one chaplain to support that entire area. And you're talking about active moments of conflict where, unfortunately, our service members may be dying or experiencing difficulty on a daily basis, and there's one chaplain? That's unacceptable, right? And so right. it was moments like this where I really realized I need to do something. I'm in the wrong branch. I need to transfer. So I, I my dream was to be a military chaplain, um, and I, I really prayed about it, and I am one of those people who has 
heard the internal voice of God. Um, and he woke me up one morning as I was debating, should I go to seminary? Should I do this? Should I take these steps? I was a single mother with hardly any money to live on, just really struggling and getting through the day. Uh, and I was struggling and struggling, I think, up all night, just really debating, is this a choice I want to make? Do I really need to just go into seminary? And then when I woke up in the morning, I woke up because this voice was in my head and it was shouting and it said, go to seminary. Uh. <laughs> and it was just this, it wasn't an audible voice like from outside. It was this really deep, undeniable. And I literally woke up with my eyes open and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it happen. That. Um, so I, I started that process to branch transfer from military intelligence to the chaplain corps. Four years later, it didn't happen, and I was discharged honorably um, for paperwork issues. Um, but the answer was, well, you can just re-enlist straight into the chaplain corps. And so I said, okay, no problem. Okay, so now I'm out completely, and I I try for three years to put my re-enlistment packet back in. And I got the red, the formal red letter that I'm medically disqualified from re-enlistment, oh, and that just happened last year. So so now what, right? We talk about God and God's path and what does he want with me? My dream is to be a military chaplain. The military kicked me out. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. I mean, they, they just said, okay, thank you for your service. We're done with you. And now I finished my schooling and I got ordained. And here I am, a chaplain, a civilian chaplain, a chaplain for my own company. I'm not a military chaplain. Okay. But I, I cannot deny this heart and this calling and this love that I have for our service members, for our military, for our police officers, for our firefighters, anyone who's a public servant out there really putting the needs of others over their own, that's who I'm called to serve. Can I do it in the military? No, the military said, no, thank you. So I have to figure out how to do it in the civilian world. So that's really what our company is all about, is Shelly trying to figure out this chaplain piece of others over self. Yeah, well, that's something that not a lot of people recognize. You know, I was a contractor for a period during um, for the Marine Corps at Quantico. And, you know, I, I, I interacted with a lot of people that were both entering and leaving the military and when you leave the military, you get this DD-214 form. It's like it's like an exit form, basically. That's like your report card of what you did in the military. Um, but that's it. They don't give you like any other. <laughs> they don't. They don't give you any other plans. Anything else? It's like it's like you're on your own now. It's like you know. It's kind of yeah, like yeah. when you have, a, yeah, when you have a baby, and the, I'm amazed that they just let me take my baby home like the day after he was born. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I had a baby in the hospital, right? My firstborn. And the nurse was like, you need to change your baby's diaper. And I said, aren't you going to show me how to do that? <laughs> I didn't babysit growing up. I was not one of those girls. Yeah. It's like, there's no instruction manual, right? You know, but, um, so what was your, what was your exit from the military into civilian life? Like, you know, thank you for asking that because I think there is a stereotype that someone's either in the military or out of the military. And in the world that I live in, that's not the case. You know, my military career was over 16 years as primarily a reservist. So I did go away for, for six months at a time and three months at a time, but I didn't click that switch on of I'm either military or not. So alongside my military career, I've always been a civilian. I worked in the television industry uh, as a top executive in marketing. I worked in the fitness industry as a business consultant and as a director of personal training for a couple of different facilities. And so I've had a civilian career just like everybody else would. And I had a military career. So 
Even for someone like me, I like to refer to myself as the least of these. I'm not your active duty combat vet that served and then got out. I'm somebody that has been walking this walk from multiple perspectives for the majority of my adult life. And when I officially got the disqualified statement from National saying that I could not reenlist, it has been so deep and heavy in my heart. I mean, it feels like something that Shelly really wanted so bad. And she was so convinced that God wanted this for Shelly, right? But the truth of the matter is, no matter how hard I want to fight it, that's not what God wants for Shelly. Yeah. And so I have to just accept that. And so I am trying to figure it out. And I'm doing that by just lifting up and encouraging so many other soldiers, sailors, airmen that are in the same boat as me. Those discharge orders in this day and age, I was discharged with an email. I just opened my email one day and was like, yeah. hey, Captain Reed, da, 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 da. well, Captain Reed, Captain Reed. Um, and it's, it's earth shattering. And that's what happens to a lot of our military people right now. And so the transition for me um, is not a transition. It's still ongoing. It's me, I think, talking with others that are in similar situations. And I work with veterans on a daily basis now, and I can't tell you how many are in their 50s, 60s, 70s that wish that they could go back, that say that the best years of their lives were in the military. And not all of them, because on the other side of it, there's people who absolutely had horrific memories attached to the military and want to get as far away from it as possible. And so that transition, I don't know, I'm still working through it, Chris. I really am. And I might be for the rest of my life. Yeah, it's it's crazy how, you know, one day, one day somebody will be there and the next day they're not. It's really it's really amazing to me how that actually worked out. You know, um, I do want to say, you know, thank you for your service. Anytime I talk to a veteran, um, I I don't think that you guys get enough. I know that everybody, it seems like everywhere you go, like every sporting event you go to something like that, it's like, Oh, we want to thank our veterans, for example. Mm. But um, that's actually a topic that I wanted to talk to you about because in doing a little research about you, um, that's something that you're sort of key about, um, you know, for somebody that's not in any relationship to the military, do you do you prefer that somebody thanks you for your service? How how do you think that you can address that? I mean, how should I, as someone who hasn't served, um, address that? So let's just say you know that that you, from a, an outside perspective, you really genuinely in your heart you want to honor somebody who is serving in the military. First of all, I just want to say thank you because I'm somebody that has been wearing this uniform and I got spit on. So if you already are addressing this issue with an open, welcoming heart of gratitude, please, no matter what we say, thank you so much for having that perspective. Now, as a military member, that phrase, thank you for your service, it can actually, it has the potential to do harm because we may and probably are not in a very good headspace when you're telling us that phrase. So my purpose of addressing this phrase is really to help encourage steps beyond the words, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. I've had it shouted out over a couple aisles in the Walmart checkout line, right? That's embarrassing. <laughs> so if you're going to say it, it, it has to really be from a place of service and it has to be about the service member. It can't be about you and it can't be about you when you feel better about yourself because you're recognizing military people, right? So so let's just make sure that our perspective of why we're doing this is in the right place. Yeah. And then 
we have three big issues that we face when we're having that first time interaction with a military person. Um, and if you want to start and say, thank you for your service, that's good. But I, I really want to encourage that you carve out five minutes to have an honest conversation with whoever that person is in front of you, five minutes. And in those five minutes, um, I want to caution you about three big issues and the military loves acronyms. So we're going to go with PRY, P-R-Y. So the three big issues to stay away from, from a first time interaction with a military person that you don't really know. Number one, you don't talk politics. You don't push a political agenda. Number two, P-R-R stands for religion. This is the chaplain telling you, (laughs) stay away from forcing a religious viewpoint. And that can be as simple as using the phrase, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you, right? Chris, I'm sure you say that to people, right? I'll pray for you or let me pray for you. When you say that to a military person, uh, you have to understand that, number one, we believe in freedom of religion. We believe in freedom of religion so much that we agreed to put our lives on the line to defend it. So there's a lot of religions in the military to include hedonism, to include um, Wicca, to include witches, to include um, people who worship Satan, to include people who worship nature and earth, um, to include Islamic. And I mean, all of them, all of the world's religions are representative within the United States military. So if you as a civilian want to honor us and you say something like, I'll pray for you, chances are we're not going to want you to pray for us. If by rare chance you actually happen to be talking to a person who does agree with you on your religious viewpoint, amazing, boom, perfect, that's acceptable. But I don't know you from Jane or Joe. And so as Christians, I think we forget that when we tell somebody, I'm going to pray for you, they're like, I don't know who you're praying to. I don't know what power is, right? what spiritual being is going to come out of that prayer. And so just be really careful um, when you're talking with a military person about forcing a religious viewpoint, you have to meet them where they're at. Um, And so the last piece here is the Y, P-R-Y, and Y stands for yourself. If you're going to honor a military person, don't focus the conversation on yourself, right? So here's here's what that looks like. Uh, I'm out having lunch and I'm with four of my buddies and we're all in uniform and we have a 30-minute break and we got to get back on base And some well-meaning civilian walks up and pays for our meal and then says, thank you for your service. And we're like, oh, not a problem. So glad that you came over and said, thank you. And then they stand there. And for the next 15 minutes, they go on and on and on about how their nephew is serving overseas and their great grandfather fought in World War II. Right. (laughs) And our French fries are getting cold and now we can't eat our food. And it's not about us at that point. It's just about Mm. you. And you feeling better because you get to talk about military stuff. So PRY, the three big issues to stay away from are pushing a political agenda, forcing religious viewpoints, and focusing on yourself. Um, And so once we get through all of that, there is really, really good ways to have that five-minute meaningful conversation where you start with thank you for your service. And then you kind of dig into the meat and potatoes. And so you wanted to know, Chris, how do we do that, right? What does that conversation look like? Um, now, for our Misfit listeners, I am going to give you a web page specifically crafted for you that you can go to and you can download a 21-page article um, entitled Four Ways That You Can Make a Meaningful Connection with a Military Person. And all of it is spelled out in that article um, because at the end of the day, we don't want to feel stupid. Nobody wants to feel like they're being made fun of or they're a joke or they're not appreciated. So I want yeah. you to have confidence 
when you're approaching a service member and really giving genuine thanks. And there's a lot of very, very simple questions that you can ask that will do that, such as what branch did you serve in, right? That's one that you asked me, right, when we started this conversation and it helped break the ice and put the focus on me and not on you, Chris, yeah. um, right? You asked about what was your job when I was in and I welcomely and very openly shared that information. So those are just two of the really good examples that you can share of how to carry forward that five-minute conversation and have it be meaningful to the person that you're talking with. You know, it amazes me that there's these it seems like two different worlds when it's really not. Um, but at the core of it, it's really just empathy. You know, I always, I always bring it back to empathy, caring, caring for others. And you're wearing a t-shirt that says putting others over yourself, you know, <laughs> I wear this for myself so that when I look in the mirror, it's like, Oh, Shelly, check yourself. <laughs> you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have thought that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I mean, there was a story that I heard on another podcast that you were on, which was really telling of it's more than just a T-shirt for you. Um, mm. And there was a story that you told about one of your friends in the military. He was getting a divorce and um, he had, uh, I believe, I believe he had gotten someone pregnant and they weren't married. Yeah, his wife. Yeah. We're, yeah I didn't that was his wife, was but wife. he wanted to leave her. Yeah. And she wanted to leave him. I'll be fair. Well, can you tell that story a little bit? Because, I mean, that really just explains that that policy of yourself to a T, I think. Yeah. And, you know, what I love about that story is it's not myself. Um, so I just I was divorced at this point, And in that one year, you have a grieving period after you divorce. And it's hard. It, it's gosh, it's hard. Uh, so anyway, I, I just got a call out of the blue from one of my army buddies from many, many years ago. And he said, Shelly, what's it like to be divorced? You know, I'll be honest with you. My wife and I are thinking of splitting up. And that was the first conversation. And then I think he was looking for validation for me to be like, yeah, man, break up with that <laughs> terrible relationship and go on and YOLO, right? But that's, <laughs> that's not what I said. Um, and then as the conversations went on week after week, it was like, oh, man, well, now there's, not, now there's a complication. She's pregnant. And we're thinking about aborting the child so that we can just have a clean slate and, and go our separate ways. This gentleman and his wife, they have a lot of money. They had really good jobs. They could have given such an amazing life to this child. And here I was, divorced, single mom, struggling for food to put in our mouths. And I, I couldn't handle it. And... I didn't say it, but the words came out of my mouth. Give me the child. The words came out of my mouth. Something. So I've heard Mother Teresa say this at the National Prayer Breakfast. She said, give me your children and I will raise them if you can't raise them. To me, the thought of this incredible, beautiful human being who could have had this amazing life of privilege in, in a beautiful country with beautiful opportunity for that to be stripped and taken away from them is just nothing but wrong. And so before, like I said, it wasn't me talking because logical intelligence officer Shelley never would have said, give me the child. But God yeah. spoke through me and said that. And, um, you know, everything comes out in his will. And I'll just share with you now to this day, I see them on Facebook. They're still married and they have a beautiful daughter. And I haven't had a conversation with him in many, many years. And I don't need to have a conversation with him anymore, right? Because God put me and him together at that moment in our lives for a purpose. And that purpose was meant. It's just beautiful. God's work is just astounding. That's fantastic. I, I you know, that podcast didn't hear the end of that story. So <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you shared that with me because well, it's a little bit of a cliffhanger. 
Yeah, let's take it a step further because as abortion is a really hot issue, especially right for women, for men, for everybody, it's a, it's a big deal. And as a woman of empowerment, I mean, I fight the line of fist in the air, smash the patriarchy. <laughs> I want, I want, I mean, I'm not your normal woman. I love strong women. I agree, right? My friends are fighter pilots. My friends drive tanks. Like, I, we're not the babysitters of the youth. And so when we think about women's rights and we, we put abortion and the right to kill a baby inside of that, there needs to be a voice from the inside, from the strong woman perspective saying, no, that is wrong. Yeah. And I will share with you, Chris, that until that moment of my friend saying that he was going to abort his child, I honestly didn't know where I sat on the abortion issue. I just kind of stuffed it to the back and I hid it away because I was all about women's rights and I really felt like a woman could be and do everything that a man can. And so I just never really thought about it. But God used that moment to solidify how Shelly feels about abortion and why. And now I've done so much teaching and training about that issue and women that have made that choice. Um, and I actually have a dear friend who's a licensed professional counselor, and she's a retired military major, and her specialty is post-abortive healing. Because what happens after that is so impactful on the woman that if she doesn't pay attention to it and actually heal and grieve properly, it will affect every other aspect of her life. And I know that we digress onto a very different topic, uh, but I do appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share that because that is something real that affects the majority of women. I mean, if you don't know the abortion statistics for women, that's like maybe 40% of, of every group of women that you look at typically has had an abortion at some point. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things that I love about everything I'm hearing from you, you know, you're, you have this sort of interpersonal relationship. I mean, that, that personal experience with your army friend, I mean, that could have, that could have gone so differently, but rather than seeing some billboard on the side of the highway or some internet pop-up ad or something like that, what's, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, how important is that interpersonal relationship with other people? I think, I think that's my purpose in life. Yeah. is to break through the surface conversation and have meaningful conversation. There's too much social media. There's too much masking. Mm -hmm. There's too much, yeah, I'm fine. I'll get through it. And especially in the military side of things, the suicide rate is undeniable. If you yeah. don't know, the risk of a military person dying by suicide is typically double that of the civilian population. And these are the strong ones. These are the heroes. And so something is wrong. Something is genuinely wrong with the mathematical equations that we're using to treat this issue. And so I believe that it really does come from individual heartfelt conversation. And it's not easy, but it can be five minutes. It can be when you sit down and just ask somebody, I heard you say that you're okay, but you don't look okay. Is there something else you want to talk about? And yeah. giving them the space to do that. That whole thank you for your service piece, please remember that if you're talking to a military person, we're not allowed to talk about our feelings. We're not allowed to talk about what we want. And really, we don't want to talk about our needs because the military should be servicing all of our needs for us. So when a civilian approaches us and gives us an opportunity to have a safe space of genuine connection, that is humanity and that is real and those five minutes could actually keep somebody from taking the step of a death by suicide or of 
the consistent alcohol consumption or of the abortion that they're thinking about. All of those negative behaviors, sometimes just one personal interaction with another human being can stop us from going that far. You know, one of the things that everyone sort of hears about is is PTSD. That's that's sort of associated with people that have seen combat. It's such a big topic of conversation that you hear in the news all the time. But whenever mm. whenever you hear anything in the media, it's always like a buzzword that somebody says. One of the things that I was listening to you talk about somewhere else was moral injury mm. and the concept of that. Can you explain that a little bit as it pertains to PTSD? And do you have any sort of examples of that? I love this. I love this, right? So PTSD is trauma. So there has been a moment of trauma and it's an actual diagnosis. And typically there's a fight or flight response when you're diagnosed with PTSD. Yeah. In the military, with when, with our veteran population, only eight out of 100 veterans have a PTSD diagnosis, only eight out of a hundred. Here's a here's an example of maybe not PTSD, PTSD, but something that can have a significant negative impact on on your mental wellness. A dear friend of mine shared that when he was deployed, he was pulling security, and the area that he was pulling security on was essentially a crater, a pit where they threw the bodies and the deceased. And the dogs would come and feed like dogs do. And could you imagine just day after day of standing there and that's your security duty? That's not PTSD. There's no one moment of trauma that you can attach to that. But you can't tell me that as a human being, that's not going to haunt you for years and years and years and years. And so within the last few years, the VA, uh, Veterans Veteran Affairs Agency, Veterans Administration, they have come out with an actual diagnosable condition um, of something called moral injury. And so this is what happens before PTSD. This is not trauma-based. This is just moral, morally-based. And so what this means, you have a moral injury if you are a part of a situation or you witnessed a situation where something occurred that is so against your moral beliefs that you feel hurt by it. There is genuine hurt that's coming out of this situation. And this can either be an action or it can be an inaction. So I gave you a military example. I want to share with you real quick a civilian example of myself. So at the turn of the epidemic, um, I we my husband and I gave birth to baby, baby Oliver. Um, and he was born special needs. He has um, something called Stickler syndrome where his soft tissues don't form correctly and it will affect him for the rest of his life. And he was born with a full cleft palate, which means he doesn't have a roof of his mouth. Um, And so he had a prosthetic palate that was put in. And at this point, he really couldn't barely breathe on his own either. So long story short, my husband and I spent the first year of this child's life in and out of the hospital at the height of the epidemic. You want to talk about stories, man, I got them. And so only one of us is allowed to visit the child at a time. So I leave, the baby's all set, he's swaddled, he's just laying there nicely on his back. By the time I leave and go to the parking structure and my husband checks in and gets his test done and can be at the room, he walks in to a newborn baby who is choking in his own spit up and his mouth is literally glued shut because 
because the nurse was untrained on how to put his prosthetic palate in, and she used too much of the adhesive. And it spilled out over across his lips, and it literally glued his mouth shut. And so if my husband had been, I don't know, two minutes, five minutes late, maybe that baby wouldn't have made it, right? We don't know. But that is a situation where not necessarily an action was done, but we were part of a situation that deeply, deeply hurt us internally. Um, and so for us, right, that's, that can be a moral injury. And I think that moral injuries happen amongst the civilian population and the military population more frequently than we pay attention to. And thank you for shining the light on what moral injury is, because if we don't pay attention to these issues, um, then they don't heal. And I will share with you that there is only one way that is clinically proven to heal a moral injury, and it's to understand the why. So I'm never going to get an answer and I'm never going to get justice about my baby's mouth being glued shut. But I understand the why. I know that the nurse was untrained. I know that we were in the middle of an epidemic. I understand the why. And so I can move forward from that situation. I, I no longer feel breakingness and hollowness in my heart when I think back on it. There are 11 different ethical issues throughout the human being life that we face. You can have moral injuries related to business ethics. You can have moral injuries related to birth of life situations or end of life situations. There's 11 different areas of life that every human being faces. And most of us don't even know where we are on the individual spectrum of choices within each of those 11 areas of ethical importance. Uh, and so I do have some writings and blog posts on that subject, uh, which I will make sure to include in our Misfits landing page um, because we are talking about it today, Chris. And the more that <laughs> the more that you understand where you are on the spectrum of each of these areas of ethical importance, the better conversations you can have with other people. I mean, how many times, especially this day and age, right? Oh my gosh, Thanksgiving. Ugh. I, I chose not to even go to an Easter celebration with my extended family last year Yeah, because I knew God was not going to be there. It was all going to be about candy and mm. I was going to have a hard time communicating with people. How many times do, do we find ourselves in these awkward social situations where we just don't want to be there? Yeah. I want to encourage you to really know where you sit on all of these ethical and moral issues and have them be biblically founded beliefs so that you can sit down and have an honest conversation about somebody who has acted differently and not be offended by it, right? When somebody comes to me and says that they had an abortion, I don't hate them. I want to talk with them about it. Yeah. That's it. I just want to talk with them. What do you all want to see differently for veterans in the future? And if you had to change one thing with the military, what do you think that would be? The culture. Culture, the culture, the military culture right now, today's United States military is Sparta. It <sighs> really and genuinely is Sparta. If you have little ones, you might want to cover their ears real quick because this is what today's military looks like. It looks like hiring hookers and bringing them back to the barracks. Mm. It looks like, if you don't know the story about Miss Vanessa and the abuse and the death, her death that resulted because of male on female abuse, um, there's something called MST, which is military sexual trauma. And one in three to one in four, depending on what report you're looking at, one in three to one in four have witnessed military sexual trauma, meaning an assault or the like. Now, yeah. what's really scary, Chris, is that statistic is the same for men as it is women. Mm. 
So you can't tell me <laughs> that this is a female issue, right? This is a culture issue. And we really, really need to take a harder look at what and why. And I think that it really truly can be solved by embracing more of this others over self mindset, right? When we see our buddies drinking too much on a Friday night, it's not a joke. You need to get them out of there. When we see our buddies uh, talking with a young lady that you know is trouble, (laughs) maybe we need to just help put a stop to that and not take part in it. These are day-to-day choices that members of our military are making um, that just could be better choices overall. Yeah. Well, I think talking about these issues and making them more widely spread available and more widely known about, because like I said, we talked about moral injury. We talked about PTSD. We talked about all of these things and yet they're never talked about. You never hear about them, you know? (laughs) Well, no, I mean, you know, you, you have to be fair. What is the purpose of the military to create a fighting force so we can go dominate in war? That's the purpose of the military. We're not trying to come up with some mentally healthy fighting force, right? That that they, they compete, they compete. So I think what we really need to do, yes, we can do a better job of active military and um, trying to push for a better culture in the active military. Maybe that will happen. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Military has been around since the beginning of human humanity. But what I think we definitely can do and have more freedom to do is outside of the military as nonprofits, as companies, as organizations, as a society, we can embrace a culture that says rape is unacceptable, that says stealing is unacceptable, that says lying is unacceptable. Little white lies, no, 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 Chris, we're done with that. Yeah. And if we don't start there as a society, then it's going to filter into every industry, right? Again, we go back to those 11 areas of ethical importance in life. Are you shocked? that the soldiers that you meet don't look like Captain America. I love Captain America. He's my favorite (laughs) superhero. And you know what? I wish, I truly wish that every single service member was a Captain America. And funny story there, right? So I was wearing a red, white, and blue bikini one time, uh, and I had just done a bodybuilding show. And my mom was like, oh, Shelly, you look amazing. You look like Miss America. And I said, mom, you mean Captain America. (laughs) (laughs) But I do. I wish so much that we had um, just those higher standards for ourselves. You mean all of our service members aren't issued a uh, a big American shield right when they uh, when they enlist? Right, I know, I know. Yeah, and think. not not the like beginning of the movie Captain America, the one at the end who realizes that like he's he's really not meant to be a political ploy. He's meant to make a difference behind the scenes, and that's what others over self is. It's about working on ourselves behind the scenes quietly every day so that we can do the right things. Yeah. The military's really got to step up their promo materials. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, this has been a lot of fun, Shelly. And I mean, there's so much more that we could talk about. You know, if someone's looking to find out about Others Over Self, where can they find out about it? How can people get involved? And what does your organization need? I really appreciate that. So the website is othersoverself.com. And specific for our misfits, uh, we do have a landing page, othersoverself.com slash H, which is Mike Hotel, othersoverself.com slash MH. And on there, we're going to have a free downloadable 21-page article entitled How to Make a Meaningful Connection with a Military Person. And I'm also going to put some resources in there, links to articles about moral injury and areas of ethical importance, uh, just so you can have some follow-up homework from today. Yeah. Um, Now, those articles are brought to you by the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Um, One 
project that our company works on is something called Warriors with Warriors. And that program is created by the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. And what we do is connect people of faith with military people. We're teaching you how to have these meaningful conversations because even the federal government recognizes the power that people of faith have in being able to influence positive mental wellness amongst society. Fantastic. Fantastic. We'll put links to all that stuff down in the show notes down below so everybody can check you out. You know, Shelly, we're winding down towards the end of the podcast. And at the end of every episode, I ask all of my guests the same question. And it's one question in two parts. What was the last goal that you completed? And what's the next goal that you want to set for yourself? Well, I'm a checklist person. So (laughs) I knock out goals every single day. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think that a big, big, big goal for us as a company was moving from an LLC to an S Corp, just behind the scenes from a tax write-off standpoint, Um, because what that allows you to do as a business owner is be able to hire contractors um, and employees and just really expand out, right? Make yourself scalable. So that's a big goal that we completed, um, not very recently, but it has been recently, and that's been a game changer for us. And then a goal, you said a goal coming up? Yeah. What's the next one? Well, I have an online um, training academy that is up. It's running. It's live. And I have a couple of courses on there right now, but they're internal training courses just for our team. So my goal within this next year is to really pump that up with our teachings, trainings, educational resources that we're already doing on a daily basis and making it publicly accessible. So that when I say you should know about moral injury, I can give you a link to a class where you can actually learn about moral injury. So that's my goal. Very, very much. Fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing all that. And when that stuff comes available, I will definitely update all of the show notes and everything and let everybody know where you're coming from. Shelly, it's been a blast talking to you and I love talking to our service members. You know, I will say this, I will say thank you for your service, even though I know we talked about it for about 10 minutes, but, (laughs) but thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on Chris. And that's the perfect timing to say it, have a meaningful conversation and then thank them for their service and send them on their way. Fantastic. Well, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. You have a great afternoon. Okay. Thank you, and thanks for all you do, Chris. Well, Misfits, we did it. That's our episode. As always, I want to thank you so much for listening, and thanks again to our sponsors. If you want to support any of the sponsors of this podcast, there are affiliate links in the Sponsors tab of our website over at www.misfit-heroes.com. You can also find links to all of our social media there, so be sure to follow us for immediate up-to-date info about the podcast. Please, if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to help me out, do me a favor. Hit the subscribe button down below so you're notified of new episodes as they're released. And be sure to leave a rating or review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Truly Misfits, I love you. Thank you so much for listening. And until the next episode, be kind, love one another, and be a hero.